0: Hello and welcome to the Missing Peace podcast. This is a place where we discuss making peace with our mind, body, and soul, usually over a cup of tea. So I encourage you to pop your kettle on and join me with a brew. Thank you for listening. Hello everybody, welcome to the Missing Peace podcast or welcome back if you've been before, if you're returning. Thank you so much everyone for listening, I really appreciate it. My name is Becca and today I want to talk about my experience on my second 10-day silent meditation course of Vipassana meditation. Now just to kind of, I guess, summarize it, or think, I think because I imagine people might go, oh, I don't really know if I'm interested in this episode, but the reason being is that I've and the first time around as well in this course, I believe that this is such a powerful way of being able to free ourselves from our minds and our thoughts and, you know, really break free from those habits. And each time I've come out of it, it's felt like a life changing experience. It really, really has. It's just now about implementing that in, in I guess, um, everyday life, our extraordinary, ordinary lives, as I like to call them. But it's such a freeing and liberating experience. And I want to explain a little bit about the background of it, but I also want to explain what it kind of looks like so that you can get an idea of what it is, maybe what it isn't. But at the same time, to just really preface this by saying that it is something to be experienced. I can explain it, but I can't, you know, I can't give you the experience. The experience is, is what is needed. So try not to make this uh, something, I guess, um to to take away and and see it on paper is that's what it kind of is because it's a heck of a lot more than that and so I'll explain the things that I've learned from from this one um things that I've been reminded of as well from my previous course that I sat in 2017 but also why I returned to it as well because yeah I I didn't think I would because they're tough guys they're really they're really tough but they are just so freeing and a path towards really having a life that is peaceful that is freeing that just yeah just feels a lot more in balance and serene i guess so vipassana meditation what the hell is that you're thinking um so vipassana meditation from what i understand um probably got taught a lot more than this on the course, and my attention span isn't always amazing but yeah essentially vipassana meditation was something that was rediscovered by the buddha um, about two and a half thousand years ago in india something that had was was already you know a, a meditation that was around but um yeah he rediscovered it and um, began to spread it around India and uh, I'm not sure how far it spread then but um, essentially over time it kind of faded from India and but was was still um, explored more in Burma and which is now Myanmar and um, a teacher called Gwenka in the I actually don't know what the decade is but you know some 60s 70s maybe something like this began to spread the message around the world and so there are over 100 centers around the world um, and and Vipassana meditation, essentially, it's about purification of the mind, purification of the mind. Mrs., <laughs> syllable there. Purification of the mind. And really, it's a form of self observation. And for me, like I said, I feel like it's a real way of freeing yourself from the shackles of your mind. So if you're somebody who's always on that kind of journey of, you know, finding the missing piece, maybe that's why you're here. Um, I truly feel like this is one of the ways to finding that that missing piece, to be honest, or returning to the piece is, is really the, the best verb for it, I guess, I feel. But, but yeah, returning to that piece and being able to live a happy life, which is, is that not what we all want, I, you know? And I think the process of Vipassana, really the... Um, I guess the example that comes to mind is, you know, that kind of pressure that is needed on, is it coal to make a diamond? It needs to be under an extraordinary amount of pressure to come out in the beauty of a diamond. And that is what I feel easily describes to me personally what this form of meditation is like and what the course is like. Because it's not easy, like I said, it is not easy, but it is and has the potential to be incredibly freeing. It's like anything in life, we, we learn from the the difficult things, don't we? And we learn how truly strong we really are when we're that invincible diamond, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, but that's how it feels. I remember coming out of my first course in Thailand, That um, so just to give the background on that, I hadn't heard of Vipassana meditation, and I was traveling around Southeast Asia, was on this trek, um, an organized multi-day trek, and one of the guys who was on it as well called Felix, who I I think, did I briefly see him again? Yes, and then I said I was booked onto the course, but so I saw him again in a different country, which was really cool, but um, <clears throat> he's somebody who's essentially changed my life because he told me about this form of meditation, and when he first explained it to me, and this is why I'm going to understand why you might hear this and be like, I'm just switching off straight away, but he said, you know, it's a 10-day course, you're meditating for like 10 hours a day, um, you know, it's really, really intense, but apparently it's really freeing, and I remember when he first said that, I was like, that sounds crazy, why would anyone do that? And I was meditating at the time, you know, but like 10 minutes a day, and that's something a pattern that I fell back into more recently, which brought me back to my second course, but you yeah I was just like nah that sounds a bit insane but I got really curious and something something made me think maybe I should just give that a try because I, I like challenging myself and so that's what I ended up doing about three months later I was booked onto the course in the I'm not sure in the name of the center but it's maybe a couple of hours at Bangkok I'm tea's tea school down now <laughs> I deleted seven minutes of my first attempt recording this in like a bit of an anxious state and my tea was absolutely freaking boiling then. So I'm all right now. I'm all right, guys. Don't worry about me. Tongue is fine. And um, so, yeah, I went on to the course and I came out of that and I remember probably the word that I used was invincible. That's how I felt. I felt invincible because it really shows you what you are capable of. The pressure of going through this course is is, is really what you're capable of. And just to really highlight as well, this isn't a core, this isn't a retreat, should I say. This is not a retreat. It's not like, you know, we're kind of going on a lovely gentle meditation and yoga retreat. And it's, you know, and I've done that before and it's amazing. And I think there's loads of benefits to that as well. But this is a real deep self-study of your mind. So if you're into that kind of personal development, if you're into, I guess, bettering yourself as a person in inverted commas, and not that anyone's not perfect because we all are. But if you're wanting to kind of, yeah I guess explore how you can live that the most fulfilling life that you can have then I think that this is where um this is where we can find it and so the reason I returned because I thought I came out of that and I was like that was so fucking hard I don't know if I can do that again I've learned everything I need to learn you know (laughs) I've learned it all I'm an expert and um yeah it's always more difficult to actually apply it in everyday life and I realized more recently that I was just getting really stuck in my thoughts and in my fears and these kind of um these habits that were really difficult to break out of and so I just knew it was time to go back and so yeah I decided to go to the one Dipper in um, Gloucester and yeah it's just been a truly magical amazing experience and yeah so I guess I should explain what was great about it really (laughs) my dog's doing a big sigh which I feel is very timely like here she goes rumbling on Get to the point, Lass. Well, so I learned a lot. I learned a lot. <laughs> I a lot and was reminded of a lot, but really, um, two of the big kind of core parts of this form of meditation are um, non-reactivity. So I guess um, the word that this uses, equanimity, which is a word I didn't know until I first went to the one in Thailand, and the whole time I was like, I don't know what this word means. And you don't have a phone, by the way. Um, I'll explain a little bit more how the core structure is in a second, but, but yeah, the real basis of it is becoming non-reactive to what's going on in our life. And that's not to say that we don't have any, you know, emotion towards it, or we don't do anything, or we just kind of sat there in life, like just waiting for things to, well, I don't know, just sit and do nothing. It's not about that. Um, it's about just having experiences in life or things happen and just not overreacting to them or them having too much of a kind of impact on us um, because at the end of the day and the other real core of it all is that everything changes everything is impermanent and you know I've talked about this before because this has been massively key in my journey and it really is in everyone's I believe but the word which I think is an old these it an old Pali word it's an old um, Indian language word is anicca and that is hopefully I'm pronouncing it right And that is um, really about that word that everything changes, everything changes. So to kind of look at what the course looks like, you've got 10 days, although you go sort of the, the, the day before, day zero as it's called, and then you leave on day 11 in the morning after breakfast. And you have from when you first arrive, you know, you're talking to people and stuff. And then on your day 10, Sort of the last day of it all um it's a kind of a bit of a transition day in that everyone's able to talk so for the whole time men and women um are kept separate you can see people in the hall in the meditation hall um but the idea really is to remain um kind of i guess within yourself and on your own journey and the separation of like men and women is to you know i guess aid that um and i know you can look into that i guess more in terms of you know, how, how far do you go with that when we're talking about um, the, potentially the fluidity of gender, of, of what people might feel, of what their beliefs are, of what um, who are people are attracted to and all that stuff. I, I don't know. I kind of thought about that, but I, I don't know. That's just how it is in this you know, situation. So men and women are separated and a lot of people were kind of, you know, partners in there. So that was, um, you know, quite cute seeing them on the last uh, like day, seeing each other again and whatnot. But yeah, there's that separation. And you're silent for the rest of the time until that day. And the idea of the silence is to really be able to um, go within and that if we're silent and not kind of, um, I guess, interacting with a lot of the stuff in, in our uh, outer experience, then we're able to quiet our mind and, and really get silent. You can create, You can achieve silence of the mind, so to speak, or as it's described. And honestly, I, I love the silence. I think it's so beautiful. And that's really what it feels like. It feels like when you're not reacting to even just a conversation and um, an interaction with with somebody, you're not then thinking about it afterwards. You've not sort of taken that energy away and, you know, thinking like, oh, did I say the right thing? Did I embarrass myself there? Or if you're, you know, someone like this or whatever the thoughts that come in, you kind of reduce all them, um, those kind of, thoughts in your mind and and then I think that really brings you a little bit more into that depth so I so completely get that and I think it is really really beautiful it's a really powerful experience to be silent and you know me I like talking so you might think how to achieve that but I just find the real peace in it and the beauty within it so see so yeah, you've got that silence and you are um essentially basically living living life Based on the gong system, so gongs go off at certain times, and it's very easy to pick it up. There's descriptions on the board of um what goes on for the day, and you can talk to the the servers, the volunteers, like the course leaders and stuff about anything. That's that's not an issue. It's just the other students you're not supposed to speak to, um and obviously to be mindful and respectful. That to be to be quiet in the conversations, I guess. But but yeah, you're okay. You don't have to worry about not being supported as such, um. So you uh yeah, gongs will signify certain times in the day, certain times when you're meditating or when food is and whatnot. So the first gong goes off at, and, uh and don't don't cry at this, but uh but yeah, it goes off at 4 a.m. and you start meditating at 4.30 And the end of the meditation, um, you have breaks through, through the day and some food and whatnot is at nine o'clock. But yeah, like I um, you know, I said you, you're kind of getting your recommendation, um, you're getting your food along the way as well. And um, it's all on a donation basis. So it's, you know, it's, it's available to all the idea is that that message can then be for for everybody, really, you know, we can all learn this practice. So it's something that's accessible. And yeah, so that's kind of the, the the general structure of it all along the way as well, you are not allowed any technology or phone. I shouldn't say not allowed, you should abstain from is the is really the idea. Um so, you know, they're not checking on you to see if you have your phone, but I think most people, I didn't see anyone with their phone, who knows if they kept them in their rooms, but you have a locker and um, you know, you can put all your kind of that stuff like that in there. So you're essentially phoneless for the whole time. You know, I'm sure there's a way of um, um, any emergency being contacted at the center, but um that really honestly i love that freedom from a phone and that's been something that i've struggled with more recently and i knew that that's what i i wanted to have as a bit of a reset going into this as well so that's really powerful not having your phone um again so you can go inwards and one of the things that i found really really beautiful actually was being around all these women and um when i did the one in thailand Um, not so many people spent time outdoors. It was, you know, it's really warm and there was kind of one little small walking shaded area. Whereas here there's a woodland and it's, oh, it's just beautiful watching the squirrels, watching the sunset and the sunrise. And essentially, you know, you're being inward, but I'm not going to lie. I was curious about people and I didn't know who they were. I didn't know what they did. I didn't know what they sounded like, but I could see them just being in the world not on their phones, just interacting with the world around them and just feeling, I guess, their type of energy, really. And there was something really beautiful about that. And you don't feel alone. I didn't anyways. It feels like a kind of silent communion, you know. And on the last day, but well, the last, um, the day before we could speak, uh, should I say, or the Club of Hours before we could speak, there was this gorgeous sunrise. And um, all, there's like a, one little spot in the woods and one woman was there first and then another one watched and, and about sort of, I don't know how many of us, a few people flitted in and out, but, you know, there were maybe like five or six of us stood there waiting for the sun to just peek over the edge of the, the trees in the horizon. And... It was so beautiful. I nearly cried. I was just holding it in, really. I had no reason to. But just because it was so beautiful, it was just so such a connective experience. And I didn't know these women. I had no idea who they were, but we felt connected. I spoke to another woman afterwards about it and she cried. She was like, I just cried. Um, It was just so beautiful. And yeah, that's that's what I think is powerful about silence is that it is we communicate through much more than just our voice. And that is a really beautiful thing to experience through through this um but yeah what does the meditation actually look like so not to break it down into too much detail but essentially over the course of the 10 days you are building up to what is a bit like a body scan but in a bit more depth so say you know when you're kind of scanning for your body feeling different parts of it you get to a place where you um well the, the kind of I guess the the intention really is to get to a place where you're able to feel sensations over all parts of your body and that's what you're building to. I don't want to explain too much about the process, but that's what you're building to. Um, and the, I, the the amazing things that you learn from that, oh gosh, and the, the way they translate into life is incredible. When we talk about that non-reactivity, that is one of the ways that you really feel it coming through. Because you're sat there for, what, 10 hours a day and you are getting all sorts of sensations and a lot of pain, you know. How many of us sit for 10 hours a day in a in a you know a meditation position? Which by the way, there are different props and things you can use. You know, it's all adjustable for for whatever your ability is really. But sitting and being able to sit with that pain and become not reactive to it is really hard. But then so freeing when you get to it, because believe me, what I've definitely learned from these two courses is that the more you react to a sensation and you think, oh, I'm just going to have to adjust and wriggle or change my leg position or whatever. It is so temporary, the relief that you get. And it's just not even relief half the time. Sometimes it's worse. So. I try not to move at all now. I've kind of found a position that's good for me and I try not to move at all. That is something that you do on the course as well. You build up to being able to sort of, um, or the intention of being able to sit for one hour, three times a day and not move your leg position, open your eyes, um, or kind of, uh, move your hand position. Um, and in general, just try not to move too much at all. You can, you know, adjust yourself. If you, for me, I tend to lean really far over to the left sometimes and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> come back to center. Um, And that when you first do it is, oh, it's intense. But I knew from the first time around in Thailand that I could do it. And that when you do it, you are feeling so free because you're just so much less reactive to all the sensations that you're feeling in your body because you know they can change. So it's them two parts of it. It's that everything changes, everything's impermanent. So what's the point in reacting to it? And just to give it a bit of um, an example of what happened to me on about, I, I was starting to get quite achy knees on day two um And day three, I started to get what felt like a nerve pain down my legs, kind of like a sciatic pain, I assumed it was. And I thought, oh, this probably isn't good, is it? I don't want to damage my nerve, you know, like you go into all different places in your mind. And I went and spoke to the assistant teacher. So there are two teachers, they're called assistant teachers, because when we're listening to um Gwenka's recordings, which is essentially what it's all about, is that you listen to Gwenka's um uh there's there's some videos you watch, but there's also he the recordings of his voice. And he's passed now, but he's the guy who, like I said before, sort of spread it um around the world. So you listen to him, and so the teachers that are there are called assistant teachers, male and female ones. So you can go and speak to them, book an appointment. And I went and spoke to her and um I said, I'm getting this pain down my legs and whatnot. And she said, is this something you've had before? And I was like, no. And she said, well, then you don't need to worry. It's just going to pass. It'll change. It'll go. It'll maybe go somewhere else. It'll probably go somewhere else. But just accept it and surrender to it. That's all you need to do. And that's all I was given. And part of my ego was like, are you fucking serious? Like, there must be more to it than that. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> the, the kind of, the that like, um thought of my my body and my physiology I guess was like well, but do you know do you even know about this type things I said to her is there any exercises I can do or anything she was like not that I can give you just with a smile and the more I learned and the more I went on the conversations I had afterwards a lot of the advice was really really that simple and um, honestly I decided to try it because you know that's what I was there to do to learn and listen And the moment I remember the meditation that that, that afternoon was a bit easier, but the next morning I woke up and I was like, right, I'm just going to fucking accept this. I came out of that meditation and had no pain in my, my nerves, no, no knee pain, literally stood up and was like, oh yeah. So acceptance really, really is powerful. And that got me really thinking two things. It got me really thinking about the effect of general pain, maybe even chronic pain within us as as people, how much does, how psychosomatic is it? How much are we not accepting it? If we're resisting something, how much are we making that more difficult? And it's something that I really want to apply, I get, um, intense period pain. And so I'm going to, for my period when it, when it comes, I'm going to really, really look at these principles as, as best I can with that pain and see if I can become less reactive to it and less resistant to it and just see see perhaps what that brings because that experience and I felt it I felt how I changed in my mind and accepted and surrendered and how much easier that was so that's a massive lesson I learned was coming a reminder I guess like acceptance and surrender just release that resistance you make life so much easier and you can see how from from that physical experience how that then can translate into life the more we resist things the more difficult we make it for ourselves it's that simple it doesn't need to be really any more complicated but we can make it a lot more complicated, obviously. So, so that was probably one of my massive lessons. So the silence is incredible. The yeah, the acceptance and surrender is is really just massive as well. Um, and another thing I want to say about the impermanence because you realise as you're going along that these sensations within the body they do shift, they do change. And I remember the, when I did the the first course back um in 2017, I had this sort of like niggled down my back which funnily enough, started to come in when I thought about it on this course. Um, And I resisted that a lot and was thinking like, I've got an issue with my muscle, I've got an issue with my muscle. And this time around, I kind of had that feeling and, you know, them thoughts come in, you're never going to, it's not like you're going to be perfect by the end of this at all through this whole process. Um, But I was able to become a lot more just accepting of it, just neutral about it, like, yeah, just that they're not reactive you know um and it just went it just went so that was just yeah really really massive and I was talking to my friend yesterday uh about that um how I would best describe that feeling of the amount of how you find a balance of being able to I guess, concentrate enough to keep present and to not react to things, which can be very difficult. So like, for example, for the one hour was sitting meditations, there's this like little edge that I think you kind of um, or a rope that you walk along and you can fall either side of it. And that's when you're like, I really want to move. I really want to move. I really want to move. This hurts, this niggles, this whatever. I really want to change my position. And you can be in that place and be in that place. And then you've got a choice in that you can move. You can give into that feeling and you can move. Or you can ride that and walk that rope and you can go the other way. I guess that sounds like you're falling off it, but essentially you can go to the point where you don't move. And that can be really fun, really difficult, really unstable place for a little bit. But then it's amazing you get through it. And the way what I like in that, too, is if you're someone who runs or cycles or does anything, I guess, maybe endurance based or any workout, really. And there's a place where you just get to and you're like, I need to stop. I need to stop. I need to stop. I just need a little break. I need to stop. Well, if you ever stop, you must know like how much more difficult it is to then not stop ever again. It's like you then have allowed yourself to do it and it's very, very hard to then get back fully into something. But if you walk that real tight, difficult line, that moment of real deep concentration and mindfulness and commitment and strength, you are able to continue, say, up, running up that hill, for example. You get to the top so much easier, even though it's difficult, so much easier. And stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. That's the way I see it. So, would love to know if anyone else kind of has that feeling. If if that if that resonates at all, because that's how it really worked for me. Um, and I was saying to my friend because she's really into the stuff, and that's when she mentioned it for cycling because she's been cycling recently. And I was like, yeah, that's so true, so true. So, another one of the really big things that I learned was the importance of self-discipline because you've only really got yourself to answer to it's only you and it's explained throughout and through teaching it's only you who can liberate yourself don't expect anyone else to do it this is fully on you there's no like you know there's no sort of like um, meditation police watching you or trying to make you do certain things but um, it's really about your commitment to yourself and, and what it is that you want to achieve so For example, you can at points in the day go and meditate in your room or you can have this kind of like little, it's called a cell. (laughs) Sounds a little bit uh, worrying, that doesn't it? But essentially have like a little kind of individual space which um, kind of like a separated wall partitions between people's individual spaces and a curtain across it where you can meditate. But for me personally, I know I meditate best when I'm in the hall and I think it's probably a little bit of that, I guess, accountability of going there. And when there's other people around, you just... um, you don't really give in that easily, you know. Um, if I was to meditate in my room and I did do it one or two times or my knees in the beginning were just too sore, I just gave in and at times I just lay down. And then I realized that this isn't this isn't serving me. This isn't quite, you know, why I'm here and I've only got 10 days really. Again, it's impermanent, so let's go for it. So I went to the hall most times and that was the discipline I needed. And I think the discipline as well, of course, of even just sitting for that amount of time through a day, um, these are all it's as though you go in these courses and it gives you it reminds you of what you're capable of. And then you just need to be able to remember that as you take that and integrate that into your everyday life. And self-discipline is obviously really important when it comes to continuing this practice, which I'll explain a little bit more about um, in a second. But yeah, it's, um, and it's really key in all of our life, isn't it? It's that self-discipline to go towards what we want and not kind of sit there and think someone else is going to do this for us or something's just going to come along and happen to us and it's all going to be, you know, it's all something's going to sort it out for us. It's kind of only really you doing that. I mean, yeah, I believe in that the universe is helping us. We go create, but we have to take responsibility for our actions and that's just really part of this as well. So I think it really helps build the connection to your strength. So that self-discipline that's what really that's another big lesson from this is you were reminded of how strong and resilient you are because if you can do all that stuff physically and mentally then you are able to do really anything. And that's what I said about that invincibility feeling that I had from the first one. But again, it's about bringing that into everyday life. There it's a really immersive experience that reminds you of these things, but you then have to continue it. And Another big thing that I really was reminded of during this was um, just the power of mindful eating and that being connected to your to your body. So you get on this course as a new student, you will get um, breakfast, lunch, and then in the evening you get two pieces of fruit if you're an old student like me at the tender age of 35 I'm so old but it's uh, older is because you've already studied before which I thought I could get away with because I was like oh well I studied seven years ago and not really practiced since but na na no mate you were an old student you are not eating after 12 noon and when I realized that when I got there I was a bit like oh. but again I just accepted it. it was nothing you can really you know change about that yeah and if you're if you've listened before, then you know that I have, um, I am an advocate of intuitive eating and I'm an advocate of, um, well, I'm an anti I'm anti diet. I hate diets. I hate restriction in any way, shape or form that I took over my life for so long and did not bring anything great from it really. Or maybe the lessons that I've learned from it, of course they're great, but you know, they were not, that was not helpful. Diet culture is a piece of shit. I don't like it. So when that came in, I thought, does this mean I'm going against my values? This intermittent fasting, this is an intense form of intermittent fasting. But I accepted it. And the reason for it, there's only a little bit talked about on this. And I could have gone to the assistant teacher about it, I guess. But I actually felt I understood it. I understood it. And that's hard for me to admit. Because it feels a bit like I'm going against what my values are. But um, what I mean is, and the way it works, is that when you are not, I guess in a regular pattern of eating so much, maybe you have that, um, yeah, you're not eating in the evening so much, or you're having that small piece of fruit, or whatever it is, and you're not in general, as you're advised to kind of eat about 80%, to uh, to, to be 80% full from your meals, um, that's kind of the aim, and really, that's because, you know what it's like when you eat, and afterwards, you know, your body, all your um body is putting all its energy towards a digestive system, and you can feel tired, you know, and it's like when we get that midday slump as well, at like, uh, sorry, Mid afternoon slump, here, your afternoon tea time, that we need in that sort of pick me up. And it's the effects as well of the insulin in the body, especially we've had quite a bit of sugar, carbs. Um, we've had that drop in insulin, and then there's, you know, our body then is craving more food again. So when you're able to kind of just eat to the point of not being too full, um, and then in the evening you're not having that meal, I thought I was going to be starving and I was absolutely fine. And I was able to concentrate so much more. And then when I did one of my meditations since leaving the course, so over the last week, um, I just was just trying to work out in the morning when I wanted to do it. And I decided one day to have breakfast first and see what it was like meditating afterwards. Oh, never again. Never again. I was so tired and it just I just wasn't able to concentrate the same. So I understand it. it helps you concentrate and it helps you be there be there with yourself more. It really, really does. But it's not something that I advocate as a long-term thing at all. It's for stuff like this. It's for you being able to have that really immersive experience that's going to um, just support you in every way possible to achieve what you can within those sort of 10, 11 days as such. So yeah, I have not continued that. But what I have been really reminded of is that beautiful, mindful eating. And when we're really present with our food and we're you know, we're really tasting it, we're feeling it on our lips, we're acknowledging the temperature, you know, um, we're just eating more slowly and we're not distracted by TV or people and and whatnot. And, you know, that's all, you know, that happens sometimes, there's no like perfect way of doing it. But when we're doing that, we're so much more connected to the processes of food um, and that, that connection with it. And also with our bodies, our hunger and our fullness. And on the course, I was like, oh my God, I really don't need to eat as much as as I do like I'm I'm full but because in general life I eat with a distracted mind or watching tv or something which is one of the things I aim to not do so much coming out of it but I eat way more and I don't need to eat that food and I just don't and I felt so much more pure when I was able to connect to that so it reminded me of the beauty of that mindful eating and having that connection with food and the gratitude for the food as well I was really grateful for the food. I sat there every morning with my food and just took a few moments to just be grateful for it because especially when you're not eating from 12 noon, it's like, okay, I'm really grateful for you sustaining me. Thank you so much. All the food, by the way, at this center and um, it was plant-based and, so that was amazing, obviously being vegan. But um, the one in Thailand was more vegetarian. I think they're always a bit vegetarian. There's no meat on these because that's one of the the parts of it is abstaining from um any kind of like uh killing as such. So that yeah, so there's no meat in any of these. But the food is so so good, and um, it's there's no restrictions on how much you eat, by the way. But it's very nutritious food and so on. And again, a lesson in sort of self discipline and in what's going to aid you in your own journey there. And the real last thing that I saw as a big takeaway from it, I mean, there's so much, I could probably keep going forever on this, but it, rem- it removed quite a bit of fear. And, you know, alongside building on that self-discipline, the strength, the impermanence of things, I was more connected to my authenticity. And so there's a lift scheme that you uh, people just put their name on the board if they need a lift from somewhere and I'd driven down from Cumbria so I'd driven like four and a quarter hours so I was going quite a long way back in that there might have been people who needed a lift and that was something that felt very authentic for me to do that's what I knew felt right for me to do and I'd felt wrong if I didn't look and check and offer any lifts to people but I was really nervous about it because I'd I, yeah it's just nerve-wracking having other people in the car you don't know and hoping, you know, that it'll be safe and stuff and feeling like my car was just filthy and smelly and um, yeah, all the kind of like fears that you get and yeah, maybe you'd be judged for being a bad driver or yeah, um, yeah, all of those type of things and actually just wanting to have the drive back to myself but instead I looked on it and I was like, no, this is what feels right. There was two people who I could give a lift to and both guys and that's another thing. It's like, oh, they're gonna judge me, they're judging me and I'm thinking, no, they're freaking not. They're literally grateful for the lift and I've really helped them out in that sense. And they're both lovely people. I mean, they've just studied Vipassana, which also includes really, Um, you, you begin in the last few days to look at something called Metta, which is like, um, I guess it's a loving connection to everything. It's that real kind of pure universal love as such. Maybe I don't explained it that well, but we're practicing this all the time through it. So I knew that these people were going to be in line with my values as well. And actually, it was amazing. I was so glad I did it. And I met two lovely people and it was just Really amazing because all the people there were, you know, kind of, I guess, were like minded, were on these own personal journeys. And so you have these really open, freeing conversations. That was just that day of talking to people was one of my favorite. I would put that as one of my top favorite days of my life because we were all so open and free and ready to talk and share our experience and what we'd learned. Um, And God, half the time, I didn't know what people did still or even really know their name until the end of the conversation. But we just went deep into the things that were important to us. So that was a really, really beautiful part of the experience. So it's not it's not an alone experience as such. I mean, you could you could keep yourself away. That's not an issue. But yeah, you know. And I think the other thing I wanted to really, I guess, say from it all, and it's really reiterated throughout the whole (laughs) big sigh from a dog. You were supposed to wrap up this soon. <laughs> wrap this up. Get your phrase right. Um, yeah, was that yeah, and it's reiterated throughout, is really that this is a journey. And it's not that you're gonna come out of this and um be completely free from any reactivity or feeling like, yeah, yeah, just everything changes, man. I'm so chill. It's um, it's more just that. There's improvements as you go along. So maybe you react a tiny bit less than you used to. And that continues a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less. Um, And it's that sort of process. So it's not like it comes along and is like, this is the magical experience. It's going to change your life. I believe it has the ability to change your life, but it's how you then integrate it going forwards. I definitely learned a lot from my first one that supported me until this one. But now is when I'm going to really try and integrate the practice. And what is recommended is two hours of meditation a day, one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening first time around in the course I was like well I'm not doing that I don't have that space I don't have that time I did for like two days because I was still waiting for a flight um, my my flight back had a few more days in Bangkok so I had the time to myself to do that but I just said like I can't do it I can't do it but I've now changed my language on that for two reasons so this time around I'm like you know what I know that I need to aim towards doing those two a day and rather than seeing it as something I can't do sometimes I see it as sometimes I'm choosing not to or I'm not willing to, because you can always find them two days. You could the two hours, <laughs> two days. Yeah, you can find two days of meditation a week. But um, you can always find them two hours. It just involves perhaps a shift of what you're doing. For myself, I've, in the morning, I love my morning meditation, and I've kept that up. There's only one day I haven't done that over the last week. I was setting off early to see a friend, and had a few things to do before that. So we were going to walk the Ullswell Way, which is like a 20 mile walk around the lake um, near me we had a beautiful day. So it's lovely autumnal weather. It was just stunning. Um, and I chose not to do it then because I was tired from going for a meal the night before and I didn't want to get up another hour earlier because I was already, um, you know, I'd already l- like lost a little bit of sleep from being later back from that meal. Um, and then in the evening when I got back, I was so tired and I was just like, you know what, it's fine. I'll let it go and I'll start again today. And it's that process of starting again, over and over again, just to support ourselves. So that's one of my things I've been working on and want to work on going forwards. is one hour in the morning ideally is the one that I can usually do um, and then seeing what I can do in the evening and from the times that I've done it I've slept better, I've been more relaxed and it's just been beautiful. I feel like I've been able to continue the practice and it feels magical and amazing and I love it. So that's really big for me to focus on. I want to focus on the mindful eating and not watching TV um, which is usually something I only do for like 10 minutes of watching food and then I turn it off and it's a habit that I've got into it really is and I become so mindless when I'm watching something so learning to do that and you know it's not like I've achieved it all the time at all but I've been, I've definitely reduced um, doing that which is just a bit of a habit that um, and really reassessing what my time on my phone is used for really and how I can be more intentional about it which is what I was focusing on before going on this but being able to actually have a bit more of that disconnection from my phone after that break from it to realize what's important you know how often do I want to be checking my messages do I want to be on social media you know I deleted Instagram recently and I've also just deleted Facebook from my phone but I, I can still go on it if I you know if I want to reinstall it or anything but I haven't been on it actually and I don't really miss it the times I miss it are when fear kicks in, anxiety kicks in a little bit like this morning. And then I want some sort of approval or validation from online. But that's that's not really what I want. I want to get to the core of what what that is. Why am I not? Why am I looking for that outside and not inside? But that's a whole of a podcast episode. And I have probably talked about that before over the last few episodes. So, yeah, check those out. Yeah, so it's um, it's. It's a lot of being able to, yeah, integrate it as best as possible. But benefits that I've also seen are that I really have that discipline, that self discipline, and even just beginning to do so this last week and change my um what I'm doing, you know, in terms of fit and meditation and whatnot in, that's really increased my self worth and my self belief because um I'm focusing on what's important to me. And so that's something that I've I've experienced already. And I really feel like I've been able to accept the rise and fall of emotions more. And this week, I felt like a lot of different flow of emotions, but being able to not react to them so much and just be like, okay, that's how I feel today. I can see how I feel like that. Let's not get so wrapped up in it that it takes over my life and I can't see anything else. Or I feel like that emotion is indicating that is telling me something that I need to change straight away right now, you know? um and so i'm quite an emotional being and i've often made quick decisions before and i've come back to a place of a bit more of that neutrality that non-reactivity and it's amazing how quickly they pass and change. It really is. And just working out which are the ones that are, are staying there, which are the ones that maybe do need to be looked at and, and what they're you know, saying about what's triggering them perhaps and what it means overall. So that's been really interesting. But essentially, all of those aspects have led to me feeling more serene and um, over this last week and feeling more present and calm. It really has. Just remembering to go back to this time and time again and it's like we have these experiences in life, don't we? And sometimes we, it's very easy to let them fade away or pass us by, but this is not one I want to fade away or pass by. So yeah, I hope all that makes sense. If you have any, you know, any questions about Vipassana meditation or any of my experience, please do reach out because I genuinely find it an incredible form of meditation that is accessible to everybody. It's not, you know, it's not tied to any, um, you don't have to be a particular religion to join it or anything like that. And I just think it's such an amazing tool in a sense, even if you're not going towards the enlightenment, but an amazing tool that can change our lives. And I've already felt the experiences from not even really applying it, but know that I can feel that a lot more through what I'm doing now. So, so yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, everybody. And uh, yeah, please do reach out if you have any questions or comments. Thank you all. Speak next week. Bye. Just before you go, I wanted to say another big thank you for listening and if you would be able to support the podcast, I would really ask this favour of being able to share the episode of the podcast or to rate on Spotify or even review on Apple as these are great ways to get my podcast out there to more people. I'm not on social media anymore sharing my podcast so your support is really, really vital. Thank you so, so much. And there are other links below if you want to explore my substack letter or even to buy me a tea. Thank you, everyone. Bye.